Good afternoon, Dave. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? Ah, oh, very well. So this is our first time ever at the Our House Project to record a to show. To record a show, yeah. yeah. We've been here numerous times before. Why the hell? Like it seems like a good spot to record. So it is a good it's spot. It's a little though. bit uh, of a surprise. It's taken this long to do it. Yes. And we walked in and I was excited to try probably about five or six beers on the tap list that I'd like to I try. Can't, I can't think of a time where I've been here where there's been as good a beers on tap at one time. Maybe on like an event, but it's just strong across the board. Agreed. And we walked in and rubbing our hands together like that gif of some guy rubbing his hands together. I'll be honest, I had three beers already pegged. I had ready to go. I mm. knew exactly what order I was going to do it. Mm. And... Um, Excited. Yep. And then we got here and what happened? <sighs> well, about to place the order, the tap on the shoulder, we've got this jug of Temple Bicycle beer that was used for a photo shoot being unused. Do you want this? So, <sighs> I just can't believe it sometimes. Pretty much, A, they're not getting our money right now. B, they're giving us beer that we what we like, but we didn't really want to drink. No, that wasn't part of the three. Do we have three? Well, the ones that I had in my mind. Oh, what did you have? Uh, oh, there's just there's the collaboration beer yeah. they've got on. Tap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. got the Bridge Road Brett Porter. They've got. Uh, actually, I'm always interested in the f- in the watermelon warhead to see how it's tasting because yep. it's a little, bit up, a little bit up and down. Um, the bicycle beer wasn't in my top three. No, and then all of a no. sudden, burdened. Burdened with a jug. With a jug of it. A whole jug. Can't believe it. It's delicious. Tastes um, unbelievable. Alrighty, Dave, how's it going? We're very well. Ready. We did that in the cold open. Yeah, yeah, still, still very well. Let's yeah. do it again. All these minutes later, no change. Minutes and a few beer sips and a little bit of commentary on the cricket later. So it's been, we had a, probably a week off, technically. I was away in Wellington. A week, yeah, correct. I was at the Pacific Beer Expo in Wellington. I was very a, jealous, yeah. A festival held by the Beer Without Borders team, slash mm-hmm. Shigozaki. I was very jealous and envious I mean, just because I knew what was what was up. Also, mm. because I did receive what I'm only going to assume were a couple of drunken text messages from you. <laughs> um, about wasn't fi- and then you had the nerve when I was when I told you about some beer that I was drinking to tell me that you had FOMOOP. I was like, you yeah. don't get to do that. <laughs> what You're at Pacific what, Beer Expo. What were you drinking? Can't remember. Right. Do you remember what it was? No, I can't remember either. Might have been Roger Ramja. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some fantastic beers, and what a, I, I guess, disclaimer, I did get a free ticket, but that would not have influenced my opinion on the day, being a really low-key festival on the waterfront of Wellington, beautiful sunlight, just drinking some delicious Where is beers. it on the waterfront? In between, we'll say, Te Papa, yeah. and the next part. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's a terrible description. Is it near but where um, that Max Brewhouse is? Yeah, pretty yeah, much okay. around there. Around there yeah. right. It's called the Boat Shed. So it's kind of a boat shed that's kind of overlooking everything quite high up. It's a good spot. Yeah, awesome spot. Um, the tasting glasses were mini teku glasses, 
which is which fun. obviously worked for you. Yep, definitely. Um, and yeah, had some like a whole bunch of delicious sour styles. Had a grapefruit sculpin. Uh, Isn't that a belter? Time. Yeah, it was great. I That's really enjoyed a delicious that. Delicious beer, yeah. And yeah, just an all-round really pleasant day of, of trying some really nice beers. And look, it, for such a low-key, easy festival, and and like the beers normally you don't get beers like that unless it's a Gabs or a Beervana. Sure. So they had just spectacular beers across the board, um, and all crazy. Well, not crazy, but unique, interesting beers um, for a fo- small festival. It, it was really good, and I think. To be honest, I enjoyed it more than Beervana for mm-hmm. that for that reason. I think. So okay, was the space more enjoyable as well? Oh, of course. Yeah, but it was only three hundred or so people. Sure, so, of course. Yeah, you know, Beervana's a lot bigger, and you can't you can't have a space like that for that. Um, I think, yeah, both are great. Let's yeah, not go comparing. Course. Both are great. I, I enjoyed both. Wellington as a whole, as well, was just going from strength to strength. It's um, a really, uh, it's a really good. City. Yes. I mean, when I say that, I mean like uh, the CBD section of it is very small, yep. very concentrated goodness all the way through it. Yeah. I highlight so some quick highlights were um, Garage Project, their new bar, mm-hmm. really good. Eighteen taps. They've got a flux capacitor, which controls gas for each tap, so they can have. Is it for each tap, or is it divided among three? Each tap. Right. Okay. Uh, so you can you know. Raise or lower the gas, sort of almost with the turn of a dial, and also that that means nitrous as well. Nitrous, ni- nitro, nitro, whatever it yeah. is, the gas nitrous is nitrous oxide. Um, so you know if they want to put something on nitro, that it's kind of a touch of a button to do, so to speak. What a dream, huh? Um, yeah, the bar manager I was chatting to, she was um, just loving it. She seemed to be in heaven, just having all those options. Sort of really addresses in a big way a factor that so often ignored the actual uh, service of the beer mm. after it's all lovingly uh, fermented and yeah. kegged up and all that. Definitely. Getting the respect it deserves. The actual space was very small. Uh, it reminds me, reminded me really of a place in Melbourne, and this is probably four people in our listeners are going to know what I mean, um, but I think you know it, uh, Duke, Duke's Coffee Roasters in the city here. Yes. Yep. So kind of really small, but kind of comfortable, a lot of wood. Um, yeah, just really, really nice, good setup. I would definitely be making a stop there when I visit again. What was the most fun beer that they had on tap at the time? Oh, I can't really or remember. I'll give you a second part of the question. Was there anything that you enjoyed more, given how it was served? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, no. Okay. I think the one I enjoyed the most that stood out was Fugazi, right? In New Zealand, because of the drink driving laws now. Uh, they every, I think every bar needs to have a, a very low alcohol beer. Mm-hmm. So they've made a 2% session IPA, so to speak. Uh, delicious. Really good. Just for 2%, I could happily drink a lot of that. Good one. Um, the Chateau Aro was also pretty good, which is their Pinot-infused, Pinot Noir-infused porter. Uh, that was delicious as well. They also do three different temperatures across the board. So their beer list, their beer list is organised by temperature. Right. Which I thought was pretty clever because you know, yeah, your lighter styles are going to be colder. Mm-hmm. Darker styles, a warmer size of punter going in. If you're not too familiar, how you many times have you ordered a dark beer and had sat for 40 minutes with it, mm. cupping with your hands to bring the temperature down? Um, so I got the sense that yeah, they're all very excited as as they are. It's done on a, a small scale, which is good. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good a good one to see. Who would have thought that those guys were going to knock it out of the park? <laughs> huh? Speaking of them, they've um, 
just won a business award. Fast Unbelievable. 50. 660% growth in the last Amazing. I think, year. I'll put a link up to the article. I can't remember the details now. but Incredible result, huh? Yeah. Um, Parrot Dog, the bre- other brewery in Wellington, also won an award, um, Fast 50 Company, so they're also growing. Um, yeah, if the big brewers weren't paying attention, surely they're paying attention now. You think now so? You think so? Like, 600, like, you get 10% growth and suddenly you're doing good. That's 660. A, yeah, it's, it's outrageous. Do you know what the contributors to that are? Uh, I don't know. Probably many things. Um, probably their presence in Wellington. They, oh, while I was there, they had a, a pop-up bar at the stadium. So, um, Wellington Phoenix game had craft beer at the thing, which is the first for Australian New Zealand stadiums, I think, and Garage Project were the... Were the ones. Uh, yeah, so... It's fantastic. Yeah, they're doing a lot of things correctly. I can't imagine they'd go about it any other way. Speaking of people winning things, uh-huh. CBIA Awards happened. Lots of winners for that. Um, it was a while ago now, so I don't know. If you haven't heard about it, check it out. That's the Craft Beer Industry Association Awards. It's part of Sydney Craft Beer Week. So, um, yeah, congratulations to, I think... I think Modus Operandi did quite well again, yep. which I think this was what catapulted them yeah, this was into their uh, notoriety, wasn't it, this time last year? Definitely. Yeah. Um, two birds, one champion beer, I think. And for no, for water, what so was it? Watermelon Warhead won champion beer. Okay. Oh, that's um, right. It did too. Man, we should look these up. Anyway, look them up. Yeah. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes. Congratulations to the winners anyway. On the two birds track, oh, uh, they just picked up the, uh, the top gong at the JD Weatherspoons Festival. Uh, as an international entrant, so that's really exciting for them because mm. it's going to open them up to. I think they've got more than nine hundred uh, venues across England. Yeah, JD Weatherspoons. So that's a festival where people brew a whole lot of cask-style beers to go across all the Weatherspoons, which is a massive chain mm-hmm. across England. Um, I think it's about nine hundred. Yeah, pubs and bars, and then there. people vote on the the different beers that come in. <coughs> yeah, so it's a big achievement. Yeah, they'll be brewing a. Very, very large batch, I imagine. Yes. I don't know where, but um, whoever's got the capacity will sort it right out. Do you have the information there? No, no. I do not. Classic us. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and also, I guess, speaking of beer weeks, Perth Beer Week is happening as we speak, or about to happen as we speak. And Canberra Big Beer Day Out is, a, I think, also another beer week. So heaps of stuff going on. It's good to see uh, them all popping up over the place. If you're out and about um, in Canberra or Perth, please just shoot us a, ne- a message and let us know how it yeah, went. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got a quick note 4X and VB Are doing dumb promotions Who cares Let's not even talk about that Okay Canteon I've got a note about Canteon What a they Massive gap From 4X and <laughs> VB To Canteon <laughs> So the They currently aren't brewing Because of It's too warm To, to ferment Oh sorry To cool down their Use their cool ship To cool down their beer Um Global warming, they're saying. Has this happened? Is this the first time it's happened? No, it's right. happened for a few years. People have been saying, well, it's, you know, it's weather, not climate, but I know they've been talking about it for a number of years there, and it's um, not the first time they've had to change their seasons. So, because they do everything naturally, uh, old global warming mm-hmm. might not be. You have to respect nature, don't you? You do have to respect nature. Mm. And people have suggested, you know, why don't they just change how they do it? But Well, you lose a bit of the magic, don't you? Yeah. You just, um there's a, ro- there's a romance there, there's a big part, and there's marketing in that, and also, God, if you've had done it the same way for so long with the same results, changing one thing, who knows what's going to happen. Exactly. I think they're well within their right to just 
back off a little bit. Uh, speaking of Lambic, the some uh, online stores sell, sell Lambic overseas. They're based in Belgium, and you can buy it to, to ship. They are stopping sales of some um, smaller Lambic producers to the states. So I think basically US... So yeah. they were sort of taking... Going to the well too many times, Pretty were much, they? yeah. Okay. And then the, I think the distributors and the, the brewers are like, this is ridiculous. Um, I don't know if there's been any official comment, but yeah, it seems like uh, if you buy Lambic online, it seems like your days of filling your boots are probably over. Which look, you probably had a good run. Yeah, definitely. There's been a, a pretty good run, and I know I saw uh, the Simpsons gif of Homer just cramming himself with donuts. Uh, he's in hell. Yeah, he's when he was in hell. Donuts. Very good scene. Someone uh, used that as an analogy for how the Americans are treating Lambic at the moment. But there, I mean, it's not. It's not fair to compare. But I mean, the sour thing is really taking off over there. So mm. find some local stuff, buy it up, let it grow. Um, and get your filthy hands off the Belgian beers. That yeah, we like leave it for us. We can yeah. still import it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I've got tasting down, but I don't know why. Let's move on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Boat Rocker opened their new barrel room. I haven't been there, but yeah, I went been. down last weekend to sort of have a little look. See, mainly just to pick up a few bottles before anyone else got their mitts on it as well. Because um, mm. all of the limited uh, barreled releases were only. Two per, per two bottles per person, so I had to make sure I got in and got mine. Yes, but um, it's just a fun looking space. It's a big warehouse. If anyone's been to the brewery, which I don't know if many listeners would have, given that it's not really a operational bar beforehand, mm. uh, it, it's right across the road from that in a big warehouse. And kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, what's, yeah. What's it's uh, Brayside. Yeah, so I've been there. It was a while ago now. Yeah, the podcast there. What if I'm walking from the train station? What's my? If you're walking from the train station, it's a slog. Right. So it's probably a good thirty-five to forty-minute walk from the Ooh. station. I think we rode our bikes and probably got yeah. it done in about ten minutes, yeah. perhaps maybe a bit less than that. But um, so if you yeah, if you've got two wheels, then it's uh, not not far from the station at all, from Mordialic Station. Mm. Um, but it's just a fun-looking space because it's a big warehouse. Pretty much, totally, the perimeter is all barrels that are not just for show. There's fun-looking beers in them, um, uh, and they've just got a fun tap list. Mm. They've got all their crazy barreled beers that are uh, getting put on, as well as they had Ramjet and Roger. They had Ramjet and Roger Ramjet on simultaneously, as so well as the two uh, Ro- suburbans. Roger Ramjet. Did we discuss this on the show um, last time? I don't know if we did. I can't remember. That is, so it's their Ramjet aged in Heaven Hill bourbon barrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Heaven Hill bourbon barrels are what the uh, BCBS, the Bourbon County brand stout. Right. The one that's about to go crazy in the US, the Goose Island one. The Goose one. Island one, yep. yep. Uh, that's, yeah, uh, people aren't familiar, it's kind of, that traditionally has people queuing up for hours across the country to get their hands on some. Um, there's a shitload made of it, but... You know, obviously it's just in the States. Um. So I had a try of that a couple of weekends ago, the Roger Ramjet. Um, and for a fresh Imperial Stout that's barreled in in bourbon barrels, mm. it was tasting so smooth. It still had some settling down to do, you'd think, mm. of, which is natural. But man, it t- drinks well under the ABV and it's just really smooth. hasn't got the burn from fresh barrels going to be a really really strong beer uh and i said to you earlier i think this is like the start of 
boat rocket hitting a new level of of brewing because some of the stuff that's coming out is just unreal. Yeah, it's um, it's really exciting to to. It's also, I guess, it's exciting, but also interesting to see how it plays out, being kind of so far away from everything. Yeah. Um, so I was chatting to um, Adam, who's one of the reps there, and uh, it was I went on the second day of its operation, so it's hard to gauge uh, the patterns of what sort of customers are going to be in there but he said even on the opening nights it was predominantly locals that were there that's good so that's good I mean there it's I mean it's the old saying but there is something for everyone there because if you don't know what you're uh, if you're early on and you don't really not too adventurous with with beer then the Suburban Pale and Suburban Red are really easy drinking well made beers so um there's something there and there was a I think there was a a pizza food truck parked outside mm. the front but they'll pretty much always have some sort of fun they food had truck s- outside <coughs> I saw on social media they had some sort of South America South African barbecue going Ooh. on which looks like a lot of fun I'd, yeah, I'd eat some of that so um, d- definitely worth making a trip out to because it's a lot of fun now should we wrap it up here um, I don't know if our guest has just arrived but Ooh. we have a guest uh, Jules from Craft craft revolution um we can probably uh cover this with her on uh, mic oh, let's give a little bit of a tease oh okay a tease while they have the uh, interstitial music welcome back everyone uh we're here with julie hancock from craft revolution hi guys how are you good thanks julie how are you good thank you now, can you tell us what Craft Revolution is? It's a new um, in, imported, importer wholesale distribution company for just craft beer. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, and we're going national around Australia. So um, we've just launched it with um, five product lines from the Craft Beer Alliance out of the US as the startup. So we've picked, we've got three different breweries from there that we've uh, used off their portfolio and. Um, started with their sort of most sessionable beers off the portfolio as well and then we'll increase that later to more seasonal and uh, seasonal and exotic rare breeds down the track. Cool. Uh, when what are the three breweries that you bring in? Um, so we started off with a Kona brewery out of Hawaii mm-hmm. um, and just with their initial, um, the Big Wave, which a lot of people already know that product, yeah. and uh, the Fire Rock, which is their pale. It's kind of big, bold, 6% pale ale. And Seattle, um, Red Hook Brewery. So they've been around since the 1980s. They started out of Washington. Um, and we've brought in the ESB out of there, which is a lovely, it's real amber style. Mm-hmm. And um, excuse me, my voice is going today. <laughs> You're right. We've had um, worse sounding brewers. Uh, yeah, and then Longhammer, <laughs> which are their IPA, but it's, a, um, it's only like a 44 uh, IBU. Mm. So it's a very okay. sessionable IPA, uh, IPA. I don't know of any other. American IPA in the market that's as sessionable as that one at the mm. moment. So, and then we've got the Widmere Brothers out of Portland, Oregon, um, and they're pretty involved with obviously all the festivities that happen with Oregon. Um, they started in the 1980s mm. there, and um, we've just brought in the Hefeweizen. They were the first uh, brewery in America to do a, a Hef- American Hefeweizen. They actually have like the name rights to it as far as the original oh, right. American Hefeweizen over there. So, we just mm. started with that one as well. Cool. Um, Widmer Brothers, I think. I know the name. They've kind of got a, some name recognition, but I don't really know too yeah, much about them. Yeah, they started in, um, again, they obviously brothers, and they started in the 1980s, um, and they're very big with 
as we know, Oregon does a lot of the home brewers, um, ecliptic style beers and that stuff. So um, they actually brew the winner of the home brewers every year. Oh, they cool. actually brew their beer for them. And they do these like back vintages of every year and they let their brewers do something that's just really left field once a year. Hmm. Uh, and then they'll, they'll have bottle it up. So yeah, they're pretty ecliptic with some of their styles hmm. that they do. I always like the idea of the, the home brew winners scaled up yeah. For yeah. Public release. I think any any brewery that supports home brewers is, is, you know, obviously got their heart in the right place. I guess. Yeah, I think so too. I think we've seen that with uh, Scott at Red Duck. Yeah, helping uh, Derek, who's about to open his own hmm. full scale brewery down in uh, Cheltenham. So that's a good pathway. Yeah, definitely. How did this come about? Um, I've done. I've been in the industry a while, and. Um, just got together. I've got. I've been speaking to uh, Paramount Liquor a fair bit as well. So they've uh, got behind us pretty heavily, and as far as um, with their support with distribution, um, so we've given everything on the portfolios uh, exclusive mm-hmm. with Paramount and or any newer wholesaler in other states as well. So with that support, it sort of makes it a lot easier to get out and about into the trade and. Um, so and then Crafter Beer Alliance has been wanting to come out to Australia for probably. I think they've tried about four or five times and just couldn't find somewhere that they felt comfortable with the right fit. Mm. Um, so with all the three parties just got together and it, it just all just works. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Do you have a favourite of the beers so far? Yeah, I do. Mine's the Red Hook ESP. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people, obviously, the Kona beers are quite well known because it's the number one drink beer in Hawaii and a mm. lot of Australians travel over there so they're used to that product. But... Um, yeah, definitely. And I'm leaning towards the Fire Rock, the Pale Ale, a little bit, only because uh, I tried it with some um, some pork spare belly the other day. And uh, yeah, that just. <laughs> Hard to argue with that, yeah. Was as it a the combination, beer the it just <laughs> pulled me over. Was it the beer or the pork, though? <laughs> yeah, no, it was a combination of the both, and mm. just um, just totally won me. Excellent. Um, but definitely the ESB. And it, look, it's nice even in trade. You see Holgate's going around a bit at the moment and doing very well. Hmm. It's nice to see ESBs on the comeback. I think a few venues are starting to um, normalise having hand pumps around. so And that just lends itself so well mm. to that beer and uh, the Hargreaves Hill as well. So Yeah, the Holgate one, um, when they have it on the Great Northern, on the, the hand pull there, it's uh, mm. one of my favourite things. So good. You don't see, I guess... <laughs> ESB was a style in the US that was kind of big for a short time a while ago, but not not so much anymore. So it's kind of interesting to see how a US version will go in the Australian market. I yeah. Mean. What well, what is the US version like? What is it? What's the I characteristic difference? I, I funnily enough, I was reading the BJCP guidelines right. for ESB um, for an unrelated thing. I don't just sit at home reading the CJCP guidelines. <laughs> 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 I, I was thinking, God, I need to do some more work. <laughs> um, and there's kind of that, the difference between a US pub style is be like a brew pub style and, right. and the classic um, Fuller's version. Sure. I, I think it's basically a little bit more um, caramelly and a, a bit more hoppy than the Fuller's. Right, okay. I don't remember completely though. Okay. All right. Yeah, so this, one, this one's got more caramel through sure. it. Um, and that's, you know, obviously I, I'd prefer more malt-driven beers. So, it, yeah, it's, I think that's why it's tending to be my favourite. Hmm. But it's very different, like um, even the IPA that Red Hook do as well at 44 IBUs. Like that's just unheard of out of America. Hmm. So, um, yeah, they they sort of they don't stick in the, in the mould of what we traditionally expect from American beers and that they do become a little bit more sessionable because of that. Hmm. How are you going to target um, breweries to expand the portfolio? 
down the track? Breweries. Yeah, or any brands to, to bring in. What's going to be Um. Yeah, it, it, and it is hard. There's a lot of breweries that are needing homes and needing distribution out there, um, and it's hard to pick, you know, which is going to be the one that you want and what the right ones are. I think you need, um, you know, the, the brewery does need a story. You need to be able to, you know, you can have a fantastic beer, but it's not just about the beer. You've got to have, obviously, the right packaging, um, but also have a story behind it. And that's why we think we see a lot of the contract brews struggle. Um, They get to a certain level and it all just ends up about price, 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 because they've got nothing else to attach with the romance of it. Um, That's a really big factor as well, making sure that they've... And they have a face or a brand awareness or have some sort of passion there, whether it's someone a face of the brand that's passionate about the brand that can be the home of. But I think that's the big thing a lot of breweries seem to miss at the moment. Yeah, that's... um, A few years ago, there was probably a lot more contract brands on the market that had no story at all or kind of a a, a half-pie story. And it it really shows... um, It shows when you're trying to, I guess, sell it to someone if you're selling the beer or or even if you want to drink it, like, why would I drink that versus... And yeah, I think yeah. it's a bit of a trust factor as well. And I mean, Australians prove that they're, they're very brand loyal when they get onto something. And, you know, I always call it the Johnson & Johnson effect. Everyone buys Johnson & Johnson regardless of price because they tr- trust it or Vegemite. So, mm. um, yeah, you do need to make sure that you've got that brand identity, that it's just, you know, not overcomplicated either. Um, yeah. So what are the stories that uh, Red Hook and Widmer and Kona have? Well... Red Hook and uh, Widmere Brothers, uh, initially, I mean, they started in the 1980s and they've both, uh, uh, Red Hook started out of a garage in uh, Seattle, so they, I think it was a, like an old automobile workshop or something like that, so, and they've gone through the, the whole revolution as a word, but they've gone through that whole transition stage of, you know, doing it tough and building from the ground up and working through in the 1980s, craft beer in America was just unheard of. Mm. Um, Widmere Brothers did a similar thing, so um, I don't think their first commercial beers came out until closer to the 1990s, so, um, you know, they obviously had a lot of work that that was done in between, Um, and it was just, they're very passionate about beer, obviously, as well, so, and uh, we've actually got Ben Dobler coming out uh, week after next from the Craft Beer Alliance to uh, help get involved in the Australian market and do a bit of a masterclass here and uh, talk to everybody about the breweries and educate us more with it so hmm. those kinds of stories more. about um brands persevering through the really rough times before and ex- any explosions really speaks yeah. volumes the sort of passion that's behind those kind of ventures there was also yeah the and they're real brewers mm. you know they're, they're, they're the ones actually brewing the product and they are still to this day they're still hands-on still involved there's also the um in the 90s the big bust that happened in, in the u.s where a lot of breweries just went out of business and and it's kind of a lot of, I guess, gimmicky beers were coming out and that just kind of took everyone else with them when everything kind of fell apart. So any brewery that survived that must have been doing something right, I guess. Was, mm. Um, mm. Yeah. And then the Craft Beer Alliance now, I mean, they've grown to, as a, com- as a combination, um, they're the fifth largest craft beer, um, excuse me, beer company in America at the moment. So, they're, you know, they're, they're fairly s- stable. I suppose you'd say the security is definitely there for them, um, but it takes a lot to get to that position. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm just looking it up on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, something I'd, I'd heard of, but not I'm not you know completely across the the whole craft beer alliance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just googled it um, then, and 
so they partly owned by ABN Bev as well, but also independent of them, is that right? Yeah, they're independent. So each barista has their own independent, obviously, where they started from, the same as Kona. Mm. Um, and then... And I think that's all sort of come about through trying to get that distribution the way that they've ended up down with the Craft Beer Alliance. So, and that's more – so the Craft Beer Alliance is more the distribution sort of arm um, of it. Yep. Um, and the, then there is a shareholding for, yeah, unfortunately. Well, it gets, it gets tricky in the States with, um, you know, the Brewers Association that has quite a bit of clout. Yeah. Um, and their definitions of, of craft beer. Um, it just gets so murky, like, the in terms of people defining craft beer and, and – yeah, I used to, there used to be hectolitres, uh, like a level of you know craft beer in America. There used to be a leachage, mm. and I think it was like an average type worked out on average of total beer consumption over there. And uh, it's it's only their guidelines, and unfortunately there isn't. It's not like uh, the German purity law that yeah. there are actual laws. Um, there's no law. Mm. There's then that's why it is so murky. There is actually no law, but the breweries themselves um, and the you know. <laughs> Craft Beer Alliance is more the distribution arm, and the yep. yes, and it is. I mean, that was something we really sort of did ponder over a little bit with the mm. fact that of the InBev's um, affiliation in there. Mm. It is a small shareholding, and um, they're not active in yep. the company, and they're not really active as far as the breweries go. The breweries do their own thing, run their own way, and are still without their assistance, those breweries wouldn't still be around. So, mm. um, it's. Do you think um, that matters in the Australian market to? In sense of, of like ownership is also, I guess, somewhat of a hot topic in, a, in Australia oh. as well. Um, Not with those. I think it's pretty removed with those brands, and yep. they are craft beers. Um, yep. they're, they're craft breweries, definitely, um, and they're pretty removed from all of the. There's no real association. Hmm. There's no, um, you know, if they if they were actively involved in those companies, then they'd be, you know, under someone else's portfolio. Hmm. Um, we've seen it at the moment. You know, you go through it with Blue Moon and yeah. Um, Lagunitas has just been bitten as well, mm-hmm. so you know it's it, yeah. Where do, those waters are going to get pretty murky over the next yeah, few years. Yeah. I think it's it's an Very interesting debate, and I, I don't think either of us really have a stance either way, do we? I don't think so. Yeah, um, we just know. don't want garbage. We want <laughs> yeah. We, we, we want transparency. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's that? Do you, what do you say about Lagunitas now? Do you know? Do you say that that's a craft beer or not a craft beer? So well, it's, it is really murky, and it is a craft beer. If the recipe doesn't change and they brew it in the same place, you I can't exactly. Th- I think, think it's the it's only thing beer. that really bothered me about it was the previous statements that they made about yeah the owners uh, their independence. Oh, okay. So, um, well, so the, yeah, the Lagunitas owner was very vocal. Uh, every time someone else would would sell to a big brewery, he'd be like. You're know, selling out your friends and family, and you, you know so you're basically I, the yeah. worst. So and isolated, I don't begrudge the yeah, sale yeah. at all. But when he has come out and said those sort of things in the past, and and that kind of a thing, I guess <laughs> when someone offers that amount of money, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if someone offered me half a billion dollars, I know what I'd be saying. I'd be sharing it with all my family. I always yeah. make fun of people that buy. Uh, Lottery tickets every week, and then I went past this Thursday. This is a seventy million dollar draw, and I was like, maybe I'll buy a ticket. Maybe I don't know. Th- uh, Thirty million wouldn't be enough for you, yeah, but yeah. seventy, you're in. I'm not sharing it. <laughs> Division one by myself on nothing. Yeah. Um, then you can't start a brewery. <laughs> that, I think that all kind of comes into what you're saying about the story as well. Where yeah, you know, Lagunitas made that story about himself and about how anti-corporate he was, and then when he changed that story, he suddenly that story becomes fake. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the Craft Beer Alliance, they have their own stories to tell sort of separate to that, right? Yep, yep, yeah, definitely. So, 
Yeah, it is. Look, it's one of those touchy subjects. Do do you t- you know you can't deny that you know who is a part share and owner in it, but mm. then. You know, so you don't go and hide it, but they're not actively involved in mm. it. So, yeah, you know, that stories the, the breweries have their own independent stories. And um, for us in Australia, I think that's where we're focusing on mm. is it's, it's helped us, especially with um, importing as, as well. It means that, you know, in our shipping styles, we can mix containers full of all from the three different breweries. So mm. um, that's definitely a big advantage. We bring everything in cold, refrigerated um, containers so by doing that just means that there's more economical structure and ways to bring it to bring straight containers from each one of those breweries it's pretty unrealistic when you want to turn the product yeah, it's over a great way quickly. for the smaller brands to uh, yeah mm. get their stuff out there yeah. the new zealand uh brewers are doing exactly the same right, in the yeah. uk at the moment yeah there's, i think five of them sort of teamed up to to sell beer um so yeah there's a new one starting under the uh, uk as well that's just starting um i think experience it's connected with them so i'd expect that perhaps they'd be on their portfolio soon so Hmm. but uh, i was reading about that the other day they're just starting one over there so Hmm. um how did you get into beer like what was your your journey Uh, to get to this point wow i'd say i've been living in melbourne 10 years so i'd say nine and a half years i've been doing uh, craft beer or imported started with Chimay's. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in the Brossa Valley on the wine side of it, which uh, I actually find um, and worked in the labs over there. And uh, then also did sales in Adelaide for quite a few years. But I f- do find that the connection between understanding wine and f- going over to beer is actually quite simple. Mm. Um, and it helps me when I'm doing some education classes as well. A lot of people know about wine and the difference between red and white wine and different wine varieties. They don't know the different beer varieties. Um, a lot, there's still a lot of consumers out there who don't know the difference between ale and lager. Um, they don't know why they like a certain beer over another one, um, so they don't understand what they're drinking yet. Um, and there is quite a bit of a you know easy switch between it. So whether they like malt or, or hops, and then what sort of hops give different flavour characteristics, like a grape variety. So um, that was a that was really good. But at the time. The wine industry was pretty flooded because they'd gone through the educational process and uh, then I came and started, had Chimay in a portfolio that I was selling and saw the story and the monks and tasted the beer and prior to that, VB for me was just, look, a lot of people still drink it but it's not a beer that I can, I, I, I can't drink it. Um, and so that was my only knowledge of beer and I thought, I don't like beer and it wasn't the fact I didn't like beer, I just didn't like VB and then to be able to come across tra- like Trappists and the story they had suddenly I just thought it was so romantic and fell in love with it and just grew from there the Belgian right timing I think Belgian beers for a lot of people before sort of craft beer took off in, in its form now definitely I think yeah, a lot of people came across them and, and they have that story and history that yeah um, and that was also um, we're talking recently to some other people out in Baton Trade that when it all started, there was one shelf on a retail fridge and it would be your old speckled hen, mm. uh, Tedley's, Boddington's. You can pretty well name them. And she, uh, some of the Belgians came in, Duval, Chimay came, set, came in later. But at the time, there was a lot of English and Irish um, pubs. Wexford was around quite a bit, then Murphy's. Mm. Uh, so that was what we were drinking. But our TV was also very English-orientated. Mm. So it was English and Irish pubs. So that was what was seen in here on the shelves in beer. Um, because of the theme style venues and then 
our TVs were also very English orientated. There was half hour sitcoms that would seem to be more mm. from the U, uh, from the U, UK. When now we're very US orientated with our TV, with our style of dining. Mm. If you look at the amount of burger bars that are opening mm. up, so we're very influenced by the American market, but not just in the beer. And mm. I think that's where the beer tax on the back of that. Mm. Um, I have heard people say that sort of the American style of food is helping beer grow as well. Um, you know, like it's so hard to get a a good beer on a restaurant wine list what well, was mm. um, but then you, you know, go to a barbecue place or something like that then you're yeah, you and then get something you want yeah. them being associated kind of with that fine dining level of food in, in their own way help build beer acceptance which mm. and in Europe I mean that they match their beer with their food everywhere over there it's standard more than more to the point than they'd actually do with wine mm. especially if you go through Germany and you have a look it's all focused and you know if you're doing an epicurean style dining experience mm. it's all about the beer over there mm. it's uh yeah so we have a long way to come with our education but mm. we're getting there now you also uh do on the radio on the run home yep uh on SEN. yep correct how did that with come about through, through the importing um yeah it, well at the time, yeah, I had Chimay's and Duvels I was selling at the time and uh, I was down the back bar at Chicholinas just actually hiding from Hawthorne supporters uh, <laughs> after a game of an Adelaide Crow, after a game that they'd beaten us and uh, bumped into a gentleman called Francis Leach and he's very passionate about beer and very well travelled and we just got talking and I actually thought the station rang me up to um, sponsor the show and I was going in there to have a meeting to uh, obviously hand over some checks and that wasn't the case. I was going on there to do a show and I had no idea. So for, I guess... Eight years ago and it hasn't stopped. Listeners uh, outside of Melbourne or who might not be familiar, that's the sporting radio station in Yeah, Melbourne? it is. So it's uh, very... It's 90% um, male demographic sports. Um, very yeah. yeah, but they're very, very loyal listeners. Yeah. Very... Uh, loyal to beer or...? Uh, to all, very yeah. just loyal to the station, uh, so nearly to a cult following the... So I love SEN for a couple of reasons. Um, <laughs> Generally speaking, that like sports is the only section of any media where there's brutal honesty yep. and negativity. If that's yeah. like if someone has a bad game, they'll say that guy had a stinker. He had a terrible <laughs> game, and there's no other industry where that'll happen. It's very politically correct. And then SEN takes that to another level because they their demo is so narrow that that's what they play to. Yeah, and it's really refreshing listening. Yeah. And they're just yeah, they're real just Aussie guys, and uh, ex obviously a lot of them are ex-sports people um, on there. So they're not you know media, media, media. They're all just and they're themselves on air. The one of the biggest questions I get asked are the boys the same off air as they are on, and um, they exactly the way, <laughs> exactly the same. So how does it go um, being a female bringing beer, which is traditionally seen as a male mm-hmm. uh, beverage in, in Australia and probably most most cultures? Um, how does it see? How does it? How is it? How is it doing that? I guess. I think it actually works for the show, um, especially to the demographic, because I think for them it's a little bit refreshing. It's sort of like two hits two birds with one stone. Um, so it, it brings a bit of lightness into the show, and, and you know we don't do beer o'clock very. It's not a serious segment. Yeah. Um, it's more just about product awareness and talking about some different brands, or we have different themes and make fun of it, and de- definitely get um, the involvement from mm. the listeners as well so they ring in and try and trip me up and find beers that I haven't heard of or never tried um, so it's 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 very interactive and I think it's about relationships um, yeah me being a female in there with the two boys uh, I think if it were 
personally, if it was a guy that was doing it initially, it probably wouldn't have worked the way that it or gone in the direction it has gone because mm. um, it might have ended up a little bit more like Blokes World. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we do, having that female presence on the actual station just softens it a bit for them. Otherwise, it could get too, too blokey all the time. And Would the listeners like the fact at the time of the day that we do it that it's not Blokes World. Yeah. It's good. And, and I guess also men uh, don't like being told by other men what they are drinking is wrong or, or not wrong or but like I guess so men seem to be reluctant to be educated by other men whereas mm. I guess a female presence they might mm. sort of lower their guard a bit Would yeah and also with the show the way it's it's sort of like it's a three personality show so um, obviously David Swartz is a fairly big impact um, you can definitely see the sales uh, of certain beers in certain bottle shops um, when he speaks or talks about a beer he, we actually know that we've got to tell the bottle shop prior on the show to get the more cartons in if he's going to promote it or go hard on a beer that day because um, so he has that friendly association but because him and I we get along generally very well uh, and so there's a bit of banter between us as well so that tends to work and it makes the listeners feel part of it um, they'll get involved with the banter with us as well so um, and it, it's genuine <laughs> banter with each other and they love him for it and that he has a really strong connection to the, the loyalty listener base that believe and trust his opinion with things and he is one of the boys just drinking beer so if he does like a beer if i bring him in something you know that he really likes the sales figures go up so he, people do go and try things after the show have you ever bought them in something that they absolutely hated yeah frequently uh no no i don't do it frequently <laughs> i think on occasion i do right. um i, I you, you tend to catch marco off guard yeah. more marco's, often than not yeah yeah marco's not yeah. hard to find something he doesn't <laughs> like um Actually, the interesting one was I bought the uh, Kunawara, that mead, sparkling mead that's in the beer oh, section yeah. at the moment the smooth, about two weeks ago. Beard, that yeah. one? Smooth beard. Yeah. Pre- previous um, guests on the show. Yeah. yeah, so I took that in and didn't tell the boys what it was before they were drinking it. And that was, um, yeah, I try not to take beers that they won't like because I don't want to knock anyone's product. But yeah, yeah, occasionally, sure. I mean, and that was a big question of is that beer? So, you know, we, should it be in the beer section? That's mm. a whole other can of worms. But, um yeah, I took that in and they really didn't like it. Like, I, they literally <laughs> spat it out. If we had a video on the station, it would have been hilarious. They literally <laughs> spat it out all over the desk. So, um, But Young Stable Chocolate was the first one I took in that I remember that um, Ox just couldn't stand it. Right. Um, hated it. And I loved it and Fran- Francis Leach was still there. That's a beer that you'd think most people are going <laughs> to like. Yeah, it's no, I couldn't stand it. And uh, I didn't actually mean to do that with him. I thought he would have liked it. And that one caught me off guard. But again, the sales figures went up through it because I think everyone was so curious about yeah. it that they went yeah, out and started buying the product. Yeah, or whatever. And yeah. That's the one that ox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Let's yeah. try it. Obviously, the Matzo's chili, but you know, that wasn't a dislike to the brand. That was just the Matzo's chili. It's a bit of a novelty beer. Chili beer can go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. Ways, uh, yeah. It makes your mouth numb. And the, that was pretty funny. They were trying to talk. We did uh, the best one I think ever was uh, we tried to do the Sam Adams helium beer on air. Do which one, sorry? Yeah, she sounded like me after it. The Sam Adams helium <laughs> oh, beer. Oh yeah, yeah. So we took in helium balloons and Marco. That was yep. probably the best episode. <laughs> the I've April Fools, which yeah. So uh, I've heard. I know distributors get phone calls about that beer quite frequently. I had so many tweets after saying, "Where can I get it? Where yeah. can I get it?" And we were saying it's a joke, like it's. You know, <laughs> But the boys did it so well. We obviously we had the healing balloons in there that they were doing on there and drinking Sam Adams beer, and yeah, it was very. very yeah, if funny. you've listened to a lot of the uh, the listeners that call in, you can tell that you could catch them off guard with pretty much anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know if Trout from Woodend is going to be uh, <laughs> taking that. <laughs> he's taking that hook, line, and sinker. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so their listeners aren't with the show, with the station. There's a lot of listeners that have come in that have actually nearly, and and they get adverts now and stuff too that they've become their own personalities. Yeah, like right. Nearly. I don't know where it is, but uh, Mario from Doncaster, <laughs> he's got his service station. I think that he. Sprooks every time he comes on, and shows yeah. right. And then there's a the guy that from the prison, and yeah, they're very, Subtext. very funny. Yeah, man, this sounds like a a whole new world. I should uh, spend some some time listening to SEN now. It's a, it's a bit of a family environment in there. Um, you know, the station went through their hardship eight eight nine years ago as well, when they've come out the other side of it. So they had to rally around, and they used to be completely ad free, mm. um, and obviously can't survive. But it's, all, I, it's also there's a really diverse sort of. Um, subset of shows they have on like can't think of what night it is it might be thursday finey has uh a mental health focused show so mm. he um spends a lot of time trying to break down those sorts of things and you hear some really like heartbreaking calls mm. calling mm. um that they're very health conscious and that sort of thing yeah. so it's always and good it, is, well. yeah. it is a family environment you know with the listeners because it's talk back um, and they're very regular as well that there is this real bond between everybody and, and listeners care about each other and mm. meet each other through. So it, it is a community Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of this, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, so what's going to be your approach now? You're bringing these brands in. You're about to do a bit of a road show yeah. um, around the country and start selling them. I guess over the next year or so, what's going to be your approach? Um, at the moment, we've just put out um, the sessionable beers, so we'll expand the portfolio and uh, look further into what other brands that we could possibly bring out from those breweries. Um, we will, you know, down the track, I don't know what brands yet, but once sort of depends what's available and right timing, um, expand the portfolio and it'd be nice to see some Australian presence on the portfolio as well. Cool. Uh, at the moment, we've only got package, so we need to expand into keg pretty quickly. Mm. Um, we're definitely... Do you think that's that's important to get those kegs? Yeah, we will. And we're trying to work at the moment with, um, you know, we're looking at one-way kegs um, from America in. Uh, initially, we we're looking at the 20 litres, but the style of kegs that they're looking at using um, and at 20 litres, it's just uh, cost-wise, it's just it's not it's not viable at the moment. So hopefully within the next six months, we can sort of work through a few little hurdles that we have with that and bring the kegs out, um, even if, you know, small batches to start with or something like that and just get a few you know the key venues online but mm. it'll be hopefully within 12 months definitely and cool. and as i said it'd be nice to see an australian presence on our portfolio as well cool david do you have any more questions no i think we've covered it cool all right let's take a short break and we'll, we'll come, come back, back and uh, wrap everything up great Welcome back. How are you? I'm good, as always. Uh, you've just got us a couple of beers, Dave. Do you want to quickly say what they are? Yeah. Uh, one that you've got is the um, Bridge Road Brett Porter that's been aged in Shiraz barrels. It's very Shirazy. It's delicious. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's only mm. uh, low fives in the ABV. So how's the balance? It's good. It's yeah? really good. It's not too... I mean, I've already drunk maybe a third of it. So uh, that's probably a good indication that it's, it's spot on. Nice. It's... Um, Probably one you could probably overthink or you can just enjoy. So, yeah. Good winner. What have you got? I went with the uh, Newstead Brewed collaboration with Ale House, mm. which is an oak fermented golden ale. So, uh, how's it going? So, it's big. It's about 9.5%, but um, it's pretty delicious. Not mm. too much oak, mm. which, um, you know, is a little bugbear of mine. Yes. But, um, no, very good. Cool. 
Jules, you didn't get a beer. You're still drinking the golden ale. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. bicycle beer. Sorry. A bit slow today, <laughs> as you can hear with my voice too. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to ju- we're not going to judge anyone for drinking slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Responsible drinking is important. Oh my god, my voice today is just uh, needs a bit of a rest. I think. <laughs> um, well, we'll wrap this up and let you uh, rest your voice. Do a um, few recs. Yeah, I've got some recommendations to. Why don't you kick around. us off? Cool. I'll do. Um, and I'll go. For, let's go for a non-beer. All right. Uh, I regularly do a not regularly, semi-regularly do a flotation tank so isolation chamber where i go and it's um sensory deprivation mm-hmm. so i go lie in salt water for an hour uh it's a lot of fun i really like it i um i'm not really good at relaxing and i don't like massages so lying in a isolated box for an hour where i don't have to talk to anyone or think about anything is a ultimate way to relax um i do it at gravity float in northcote so shout out to them they're really lovely and um, yeah, if, nice. if you how many places around town are there? The new one just opened up in Pran. Ooh, uh, that's not too far. I from don't me. know what they are called. Oh, I'll put a link to them, and I'll put a link to the one I go to. There's a couple of others. Previously, they used to just be in like beauty salons way out in the suburbs, mm-hmm. and I tried one of them, and it was like you just hear kind of the noise of the salon going on. <laughs> Lovely, and like yeah. this is not really relaxing. Not, yeah, not my idea of relaxation. Whereas these guys are, are built for it. They've got brand new. Um, pods and soundproof rooms and um, I tried two hours for the first time yesterday mm-hmm. it was very intense your own company in a no sound no light situation for two hours was uh, how did you find yourself oh, pretty anxious it seems yeah yeah. I don't know if I can do two hours again but I, I'll see how we go <laughs> but one hour perfect um, a lot of fun and, and very relaxing it was a good tip yeah Jules um, I'll go with uh, a non-beer, I think, but uh, coming into the summer months, it's always a good tip that I always recommend to people when you with the ice buckets, always put lots of salt in them and a bit of water, and it works if you keeps your beer colder than a freezer. So, so that's nice. a chemical reaction, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so ta- just table salt. Um, mm-hmm. You need the water in there as well, but table salt and ice, ice, so if you need to cool anything down really quickly over summer, we all get caught at time to time of... Drinking and then forgetting something's not cold enough in the fridge, and uh, yeah, it's quicker than a freezer. Mm, it's fantastic. It's pretty salt-based recommendation yeah, so there far, is. huh? Uh, yeah, it's salty true. today. Yeah, yeah. Can, can, I, can I bridge the gap into mine? <laughs> I don't know if yours has salt. Salt. Okay, so Beach. my non-beer recommendation is going to be to uh, show some interest in the NBL this season. Fledgling competition. What is the, the NBL day? The National Basketball League, which is the Australian national competition. Includes are the breakers still in it? Yeah, yeah they're oh, playing they're New the Zealand breakers. Yeah, right. yeah, they're playing them tomorrow. Right. So, so you should be up with that day. As in the Melbourne. Uh, yeah, Melbourne United. Yeah, playing Melbourne United, the New yeah. Zealand team tomorrow. I I'm think. loving watching Melbourne United. Is it it's happening so in Melbourne? Yes. Yeah. We won't get this out in time. Out in time, but, oh. but what do you think the result was? I reckon United clobbered them. Yeah. Look, I don't. Admittedly, I don't follow it as much as I should, being a, a massive basketball fan. Um, but yeah, go Breakers. Chris Goulding is a star. He might be a little bit too old to make a serious push for the NBA, but he is a genuine star. Um, and the Sydney Kings are fun to watch because they've got uh, Josh Childress, Al Harrington, and Marcus Thornton, who are uh, on hiatus from their NBA careers currently. So there's a little bit of uh, pizzazz of the NBA uh, floating around. But um, it's a revived competition. They've done more at work to make it accessible. So... I was looking at getting tickets to go and 
the best available seats that aren't like corporate already accounted for tickets are like $17 where I looked into it in the past when I got a sudden urge to support local competition and I wanted to go and general admission tickets used to be $32 mm. so that was a really prohibitive um, mm. price point so and you'd get there and no one was there either exactly right. you go I wonder now. why the crowds are so terrible yeah. I mean um, and you get they're, they're packed out now and you, yeah, get, you right. get there yeah, it's a really good atmosphere and um, there's a good you need the good crowd to make it all work there and it's, yeah, it's and a I've, really I've really good atmosphere been, I've really been enjoying watching the games on TV at least so I'll try and get along to a couple but that's my recommendation and uh, running up and down the f- uh, court I get a bit of a sweat up so there's my salt aspect of, uh, <laughs> of the recommendation let's not call that a tenuous link that was a long bow to draw <laughs> for that one but, uh, yeah. um, no that's a good one and I, we should definitely get to a game definitely being yeah. big basketball fans don't worry about the breakers let's get on Melbourne yeah. United yeah. <laughs> I, there was a time, uh, and I don't know what the team is now, but there was a time when like some of the guys in the breakers were guys that I would play in occasional tournaments in, when I was in high school. Oh right, and you know you can be like, ah, oh, that you know that could have been me. They always whooped the hell out of us. Yeah. But you know, it was interesting times. I remember um, I played basketball and we won a grand final once, and the, pe- the person that uh, presented the trophies was D Mac Daryl McDonald, who was a NBA like one of the only stars yeah. and this was maybe a dozen years after his career finished so that was he was still earning a paycheck right. off his career old DMAC did you get a high five or a did I ever one? yeah <laughs> what's your beer recommendation Dave uh, we talked about it earlier in the show and I can't get past it it's Roger Ramjet from Boat Rocker mm. um, just come out I don't like tasting big adjunct imperial stouts when they first bottled so I just did it out of interest to see what the difference was. Um, is, it a, is it adjuncty? There's nothing else in there. Is well, it chocolate? I mean it's barrels, so uh, yeah. 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 Um, Technically. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was blown away by it, even fresh. It wasn't. It didn't have any heat of alcohol. It was tasted way under the ABV, which is somewhere in the ten and a half percent area. So just it's a good incantation of that already. Probably being famous Imperial Stout in Australia. Being someone that doesn't really like Imperial Stouts, outside of a few really good examples, uh, that's probably one that I'll definitely seek mm-hmm. out and try. Um, I do like the regular Ramjet, so yeah. Yeah, must try. If you see it, it'll go. So if you see it on the shelves, get at least a bottle of it and put it away maybe, but um, really, really good beer. I don't, I don't need more beers to chase down these days. Oh, I wasn't talking directly to you. I okay. mean, it was a larger <laughs> audience as well. Yeah. Oh, that's right. This yeah. is a, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Jules, what about you? Um, mine's to uh, this summer to make sure and recommended. I went down there the other day down the lawn bowling club, um, and they're trying different beers throughout summer down there as well. So mm. that's uh, something I'm definitely going to do this year and get down there. And uh, it's, I'd recommend anyone to go down there. Look, it's fantastic. So there's a couple of good summer. clubs that are uh, really club. really expanding there. I think the the most notable one is Kids of Kensington. Yeah, Flemington Kensington. Flemington Kensington. Yep. Yeah, they got a serious bottle list actually. Yeah, their um, bottles is ridiculous. And then I think uh, bowls and beer. Fitzroy. Highly recommended. The Fitzroy Bowls Club's also got a pretty good selection as well. I did a barefoot bowls there one day and yep. had uh, some cans of torpedo and some other Sierra Nevada stuff. So can't go wrong. Nice day, no shoes on, bit of bowls. Yeah, and lawns a beautiful part of the world. Exactly, the coming into summer. So and the guys that run it really. Good, you know, have big barbecues and good little events down there as well. So that's Perfect. definitely somewhere to recommend over the summer. Great, love it. Uh, mine would be uh, when I was in New Zealand. I grabbed a bottle on a recommendation from a bottle shop, uh, Brave Brewing Archibald IPA. 
Really good IPA. Where are they brewing out of? Uh, North Island somewhere. Uh, I think middle of North Island. I'm not. I should, probably should have checked this, but I'll, I'll put a link in the hey, show notes. Show notes, yeah. yeah. Um, the IPA when I opened it, it had that sort of caramel malt that I or smell that I that we don't shut up about. Yep, yep, yep definitely. Yeah. And and when I d- looked at the colour and drank it, there yeah, it was um, really clean, uh, really lemony, nice and bitter. Um, quite unique. I, I couldn't really compare it to any other IPAs. Um, it had the bitterness, but it had that really nice citrusy and a fairly unique uh, malt profile. Um, so a real winner, something that I would drink a lot of and put in my fridge very happily. Great. So what a good round of recommendations. Definitely. Where can we find you on social media, Jules? Um, I've got Beer O'Clock, at Beer O'Clock Julie on Twitter. Uh, so it's at, yeah, at Beer O'Clock Julie. Um, and then Craft Revolution, we've also got Twitter going on with that as well. I think it's Craft Rev uh, uh, underscore Australia. So cool. I'll put yeah, links to that definitely. in the show notes if anyone wants to um, track you down over social media. Yep. How about the run home? Uh, the, well, the run home, have that's why I do the beer o'clock Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and at the run home on Thursday nights at 4.40. 4.40. With well. the boys, drinking beers. And Tune we do in. drink on the air as well. <laughs> Most people don't believe we are actually drinking the beers on they the air. Uh, some of the reactions I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell that you drink, yeah. <laughs> And if Marco drinks too much, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, Dave. Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter and at Instagram at, at MelbDave. Um, you can find uh, our show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash time. And what about you? Uh, at Isle of a Time on Twitter and Instagram, aleofatime.com. Um, like us on iTunes, Stitcher, give us a whatever the Stitcher rating is. I don't know what that is. And uh, thanks to Tohida for our theme music. Tohida, keep Always it up. Always appreciative. Cool. And thanks, right. Jules. Thanks for having thanks, me, guys. guys.